um, it was surprising to see that the, the solution they saw here was to continue to monitor rather than to move forward with revoking the license. Happy Friday, and welcome back to The Daily Buzz. I'm Palak Jaiswal. First up, reporter Jessica Miller talks with editor Jeff Parrott about the latest news out of Utah's teen treatment industry. Jessica Miller, thanks for joining The Daily Buzz today. Thanks for having me. So you've been covering Utah's teen treatment industry for about as long as I've known you (laughs) now, which is the last several years. And I would have guessed by now, after a podcast and countless stories and years of reporting, that there probably wasn't much that would surprise you about the teen treatment industry and laws and lawmakers and how they regulate it. But this week, it seems like you were pretty shocked at some new news. Yeah, I was honestly pretty surprised this week. There's a a case that I've been following very closely of a girl who died at a facility called Maple Lake Academy. Um, State regulators had said that they were going to shut the place down after she died. And then a couple months later, um, another girl was hurt and the facility, the staff didn't get her immediate care. And so regulators had said that because of the similarity in both these cases, um, the staff did not get appropriate medical care for these children, um, that they felt that they wanted to shut the place down. And that's the way that they've been heading for these last three or so months. But this week, there was supposed to be a hearing where where Maple Lake Academy makes its argument as to why it should stay open. Um, And instead of that hearing, they did some closed door negotiating, essentially, and made a deal. And the state's backing off. They are now no longer seeking to shut down Maple Lake Academy Um, and they're basically monitoring it for the next year. They're not taking any punitive action, and they've just basically totally reversed course from what they said that they wanted to do just a few months ago. So the deal is we won't shut you down, and we're not really going to do anything else. We're just going to wait another year and see what happens? They were put on what's called a corrective action plan, and by literally by its definition, it's not considered a punitive action. It says that right in, in the rules. So they're they're not being punished. They have agreed to make some changes um, to their programming and to how things are, are, are being handled. And of course, they're going to be watched very closely by the state um, over this next year. But in essence, they'll come away from this after this, this year or so um, without much punishment at all and will still have their their license um, and active status if they can go this next year without running into any more problems with the state. Do we know what the state is going to do this next year to provide more oversight? I mean, I thought this, I thought they were getting additional oversight already after, you know, kind of like the last couple of years. Yeah, I think that's why I'm a little bit puzzled as well. This was the conclusion they came to because obviously they were, they had taken a, um, an actual, it's called a notice of agency action. They had gone in, they've been in this facility much more. They've been looking at it really closely since this girl's death in January. And so um, it was surprising to see that the the solution they saw here was to continue to monitor rather than to move forward with revoking the license. Um, And when I asked the the Office of Licensing Director about this, um, he said in a statement that that he felt the facility was walking in the right direction and that it's not their job to shut down 
these facilities and it's their job to work with them and to bring them into compliance um, so that the kids who are being sent there are being kept safe. And you've talked to some former residents of the facility. I'm guessing that they think walking in the right direction is probably not one fast enough or enough. What did they have to say? I mean, honestly, they were pretty heartbroken about this. Um, in the last couple of weeks, they had been working really hard to um, let regulators know that they felt this was a pattern that when they were in the, this facility, you know, somewhere a decade ago, somewhere a little more recent, that they also felt like their medical needs were neglected or they saw girls who didn't have their medical needs cared for. And so they had been kind of campaigning. They had an online petition. They had sent all these testimonials to the state. And they really were hoping that the state would hear them and that they would take these into consideration when they thought they were going into a hearing. And, and seeing that the facility remains open and they, they just really don't feel heard. And they're really questioning, you know, what does a facility have to do to get shut down in Utah? Does another child have to die for the state to actually take those steps to close a place? And lawmakers have had some uh, effort here. They have tried to, I think, provide some more regulation or for some more laws for regulators, right? Just here in the last year or so, I, I think of like Mike McKell and Paris Hilton in our the headlines of our own newspaper. Like what have they done so far? What's Senator McKell done so far? So Senator McKell um, passed a bill in 2021 that did bring a lot more oversight and regulations to this industry. Um, and it was the first time that that's happened in 15 years. So it was pretty, pretty big thing. It was pretty, it was a pretty large bill. And I talked with him yesterday about this news with Maple Lake Academy, and he's incredibly frustrated. He thought that this was a case that deserved um, to have their, their license pulled. He does not think that this is a facility that should be operating and thinks that he they treated this girl who died poorly. Um, and he sees now that there was a limitation in his bill in 2021. It really did not address at all a strong process for revoking a license or really even address what, what the Office of Licensing should do when, um, when this type of incidents happen or didn't strengthen that part of the law rather. And so he said that he wants to work with the Office of Licensing and he thinks he doesn't need to do, have a bill to do this, that they could do it through another process to essentially introduce like a tier system where there are certain tiers of conduct and you know the highest tier being a child dying, um, that if that happens again in any of these programs, that that's kind of an automatic, uh, you know, your, your license is automatically withdrawn if, if you have a child that dies in the program. So that's the direction that he's going because he's just so frustrated at the way that this process has played out with Maple Lake Academy. What happens at a teen treatment center that hypothetically would get shut down? Like what happens to the teenage residents? Do they go home? Do they go to a different facility? Like what, you know, there's, a, I imagine there's some amount of vacuum there. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of hard to say because as far, I mean, there were times when the Office of Licensing shut down a program, maybe in the 90s, but it has been a very long time since the state has actually shut down a program. So some of it we don't know because it's never happened in recent history. But in theory, if they were to shut down a program, 
the kids usually would go to another placement or go home. Um, some of these kids obviously are placed there by their parents. Some of them, not necessarily in this facility, but generally speaking, um, a lot of kids who come into this industry are kids in the foster care system or kids who were ordered to go there by a judge, you know, who maybe got in trouble with the law. And so a lot of times there's caseworkers involved or people who are kind of working with them. So they'll usually find another placement in another facility um, or, or they go home. Jessica, thanks for joining us today. I know this has been a lot of work and there's been a lot of folks reaching out to you here this week to talk about what's been going on. Yeah, thanks for having me. You can check out Jessica's story and years of reporting at sltrib.com. And if you haven't listened to Jessica's podcast, Sent Away, which is about the Utah teen treatment industry, you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. Next, could the Winter Olympics come back to Utah? The Tribune's Julie Jag, who reported from the Beijing Games earlier this year, reports on a $17 million addition to Park City Slopes that, once finished, could host more world-class ski events. It's a big project that they have going on uh, up at Utah Olympic Park. Uh, that's the same place where they have, you know, the the Olympic Museum and uh, the ski museums up there and then the ski jumps, of course, and that were used for the 2002 Olympics as well as the bobsled luge and skeleton track. And so this new development is going on, is going to the lookers right, I guess, of the track. And you can see it from Kimball Junction. Um, and what it's gonna be is it's basically, it's like 26 acres, I think they said, and the two main parts of it are these two runs that they're going to install. One's a giant slalom run, which is uh, 3,300 uh, feet long and has a drop of about 1,200 feet. And then the other one is like a slalom and moguls course. And that one is 1,200 feet long and about 750 foot drop, I think. And so they're putting these two in and from what Colin Hilton was telling me is that especially the giant slalom course is really a, you know, top tier racing course. It'll be one that they can use for the Olympics, which is great. Um, and then they also hope to run World, World Cup events there and um, other big events there if they can. So they said that they had some some guys come in that. Uh, you know, kind of look at these things and make sure that they, they'll work for the international stage. And they were really impressed with, with that run. Thanks, Julie. That's it for today. Tune in next week for the day's biggest headlines. A huge shout out to Danny Rubio for producing today's episode and the Salt Lake City band, The Pelicans, for our music. <laughs>